Hey man, and welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show meant for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of the hosts of the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host Kellen Allen. How about them cowboys? How about I just want to get straight to it. Cowboys. Yeah, I don't yeah, for we, we don't want to talk about no. any uh Dak Prescott, yeah. Greg the Leg Zerline. <laughs> By the way, Who? thanks LA for sending him our way. Which we we weren't a fan of him last week though. Well, but this week he, he this won week, it in right? in L.A. Like, yeah. yeah. But did you hear Mike McCarthy though? Did you see the clock almost run out? At well, the end it, of the game? it was horrible time management. Yeah, horrible. And like, they asked McCarthy, and he's like, "Oh, well, none of us could see the clock. Thank goodness we had a quarterback out there that was paying attention." Wow, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's dude, a way to keep your job. Isn't that your job? Like, one of your jobs as the coach is to make sure you call timeout. Not to mention that they, I mean, they have like a thousand yard screen in that SoFi stadium so I mean you can't miss right right anything yeah there yeah or just like just look, look at, at your clock yeah you've got to have a stopwatch on you right or something. somebody one of your assistants something yeah. but hey they won they, they won they won should be two and oh but you know we'll take one whatever. whatever whatever we're just letting Tom have his last hurrah I guess so before he's dethroned I, I, yeah I guess so yep but we yep. don't get to celebrate that uh as much as we would like Based on previous seasons. So In the we, past, but yeah. I feel good this about year, this season. Yeah. This season, we're going to start celebrating a lot more. Yeah, I, I feel like the next 14 weeks straight right. that it'll be celebration. Right. No, not quite. Right. Yeah. I'm a realist. Are you? Are you balanced in your perspective on the Cowboys? Uh, Sometimes. At yeah. the beginning of the season, I, I'm not as balanced, but I, I get there uh, typically because they break my heart. Right. And it forces me to be balanced and realistic. And so... Right. And speaking of balance. Uh, yeah. There, there was another time uh, that I wasn't so balanced <laughs> that I was just sharing with you. And it was uh, when we first moved out here to California. Um, uh, most of you uh, listeners, I'm, I'm assuming, know about California. And, you know, you have the beaches. And like to, its existence? It, I, think they, I think they know about California. I mean, experience California. All right. Thank you uh, for starting <laughs> us off right. You're balancing me the other way. Um, but, yeah, we came out here and coming from Texas – uh, we didn't see this much in Texas, but people would stand up paddleboard, and I would see it out there. People would be in the ocean, and these waves are going, and they'd just calmly be riding over the waves. And uh, I thought to myself, that looks like a very relaxful thing to do. I want to learn how to do it. That's easy. They can do it. I can do it. Right. And so I I go out there to the harbor, which the harbor is peaceful waters. There's no waves in the harbor, and I rent a stand up paddleboard. And the guy's trying to give me instructions of this is how you do it. I'm like, dude, I, dude, do you know who I am? I got, I got this. Like, I don't know who I am at that time. But evidently, I thought I was somebody I, I was not. And so I was like, yeah, 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 I got it. And I get on this paddleboard, and it, it's like a big surfboard, a huge surfboard. And basically, you're standing on it, uh, and you just kind of cruise out there with, uh, I don't even know what they call it, an oar, a stick in your hand that just shows you where I'm at. Pa- but Paddle? Yeah. Like paddle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? oh, that's why think, it's called a paddle. I'm trying to think of this term now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm basically just showing you how bad this got. Uh, I can't even think of the word paddle, and I just said it. Uh, so the, the paddle, yeah, I'm getting out there, and it was just a complete train wreck because I, I couldn't, in my, my mind, couldn't figure out the balance as I couldn't even think of the name of the paddle. Uh, I couldn't figure out the balance of the board. And so it would start to tilt to the left and I would just lean hard left. And of course, the board is going to flip as opposed to me leaning opposite direction of where the board is leaning uh, to balance it out. Uh, I just didn't have that in my mind for about 45 minutes. And there were at least 
had to be at least 50 people watching that were at the <laughs> harbor. And I'm still shocked to this day that there's nothing out there on social media of like, look at this. Maybe six, there seven, is. There, maybe there is. And I just, just hadn't seen it. But I, I guarantee there's stories of, um, you know, probably the guy that rented the paddleboard out to me. He was like, there was this one guy. Yeah. I'm telling you, you, you should listen because there was this one guy who thought he knew how to do it. And he just made a complete fool of himself. And I don't know where he is now, but he's never touched a paddleboard. Hopefully he just, made it back to shore. Yeah, he he did. And uh, he's never touched a paddleboard since. But the balance was just completely off. Balancing uh, the water is hard, man. It is. I it, tried to kayak once. And I was. it was one of those where you get in the kayak from the dock. Yeah. And I asked the lady, I was like, is this thing going to flip over? She's like, I've been doing this for 17 years. I've never seen anyone flip the kayak getting in it from the, the dock. <laughs> she has now. Yeah. Add one to your list. Yep. I went fully underwater in the thing. Really? Just like turned over. Were you like panicking? Could you? No, yeah, okay. I just was like, okay. So now you've seen it. Yeah. So I just, well, I just wanted to be the first. Yeah. Because it's dangerous getting into a kayak. It, it, it's really not. But okay. If you can't balance it is. It is. And that's what we're talking about. <laughs> We're talking about, as men, not balancing on the water or balancing on a paddleboard. Paddle. It's paddle. a paddleboard because you use a paddle on it. On the board. On the board. I got yeah. it. I got it yeah. now. Not an oar or a stick. It's not an oar board or a stick board. It's a paddleboard. <laughs> Anyways, we're not talking about a paddleboard. We're not talking about a kayak. We're talking about, as godly men, how do we live a balanced life? Or as the uh, attribute appears in the list there in First Timothy and in Titus, how can we be men who are sober-minded? Um, you may think immediately when you hear the word sober of sobriety the way that we often equate it in our society, and that is that you're not a drunkard or you're not given to uh, drugs or anything else that would impair your abilities to think clearly. And you'd be right in that. I mean, that's certainly part of it, but it's it's more than that. And that's why we're talking about this concept of being balanced. But uh, Kellen, how would you describe kind of generally the idea of being balanced to our guys that are out there listening going, okay, but but practically what does this look like for me? Yeah, it, it's not being too high, not being too low. Uh, re- really understanding uh, life as it is, is we're going to have our ups and downs. And Ecclesiastes 3 talks about that a lot, right? We have these, um, Solomon gets into these, these high points in life, these low points in life, and it's just what life is, and it's going to come, and there's nothing that we can really do about it other than to understand and trust that that's uh, God's sovereignty. And uh, But just knowing that we shouldn't get too high and too low about things and uh, be pr- predictable almost in our behavior is uh, people should be able to know what to expect from who we are uh, and what we bring to the table as far as our, our personality. And it shouldn't be one of those where, you know, your wife or your coworker or your kids, um, they don't know how you're going to respond. They don't know how you're going to wake up on a certain day because uh, you could be angry one day. You could be uh, the most joyful person one day. But we need to have that even uh, in, in the other word that, that the Bible uses or it translates to is, is temperate, just to be well balanced and have an even temperate about um, how we go about ourselves. Right. And, and you may be thinking, well, I shouldn't be too excited. Like, why, yeah. is, why is it a problem if I'm too joyful about something and, and really excited about something? And it's it's not as much that it's it's the swings it's mm. the like Kellen was just talking about it's the unpredictability it's the you're so bound up in your circumstances that you allow a, a change in your circumstances to dictate how you are approaching the day that day how you're approaching life that day whether you're going to be frustrated and angry and bitter because the Cowboys lost <laughs> or you're going to be on cloud nine because the Cowboys won 
And is that really what's controlling your life? Or is there something more significant? Is there something abiding that's creating this, this even keeled, this steadfast, um, this, this uh, temporal, yeah, uh, mindset about you that, that you are reliable, that we know that you are a man of character, a man of integrity, a man of steadfastness, a man of patience, a man, yeah, of joy and a man who can also weep with those who weep, but you are not given to these extreme swings in your life. Uh, some of you out there are going, okay, uh, th- I want to be that guy, but I'm, I'm not that guy right now. I want to be more even keeled. I want to be more temperate. I want to be more sober minded. Um, what do I need to do? How do I need to get there? How do I need to make those steps and those adjustments in my life to get from being a guy who maybe is a little bit more volatile, um, unpredictable to a guy that is more steadfast and stable in how I approach my day in and day out life. Kellen, what would you, uh, what would you suggest? Maybe a couple things, uh, that some of our guys going, okay, I need to grow in that area. How should they grow in that area? The first thing is understanding who God is um, through his word, understanding his word, his promises and, and the hope that he gives us and being able to know that and continue to grow there. And we talk about it all the time, like those spiritual disciplines, being in the word, uh, being in the word allows you to understand God's will. If you want to hear what God's will is, you, you read his word. It gives it to us very clearly uh, in the pages of scripture. It gives us all we need for life and godliness and understanding that what this world is about and it's not about being happy it's not about uh, us just trying to avoid trials and tribulations because uh, you know those things are going to come but when those things come how do we handle it how do we go to God's word how are we in prayer how do we understand that hey this is part of life and this is not my home this is the the temporal life that we have that God is continuing to sanctify me to shape me to mold me to transform me to be more like Christ uh, for that day where um, I you know I will be fully glorified we will be in the presence of the Lord uh, for eternity but until that time there will be uh, uh, some hardships and tribulations in this life. And so not getting too down when they happen, uh, but at the same time, understanding to say, God God told us this was going to happen. This is part of this life. Um, so I'm not going to get too down about it um, because this is, this is what God is using to test me and to grow me. Right. Because whether it's something good or something hard that comes your way, um, the question should remain, what is this change about what God expects of me? And the answer to that is going to be, nothing. Mm-hmm. What does God expect of you? He expects you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He expects you to love others as yourself. He expects you to be obedient to the word of God. He expects you to evangelize the lost. He expects you to love the, the bride of Christ well, right? These are all things that are not contingent upon circumstances. In fact, none of your relationship with, with, with the Lord, not, not one part of your relationship with Christ is contingent upon your circumstances. That's what what Paul was saying in Philippians when he said, I've learned the secret of being of having a lot. I've learned the secret of having really nothing. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That has nothing to do with Tim Tebow uh, throwing touchdown passes and winning the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> or lack thereof. Or, or not, yeah. Um, it has everything to do with this abiding confidence in the Lord that my circumstances can change, but I'm going to remain steadfast in what I'm called to do. And that is, as Paul said earlier in Philippians, if I'm going to live, I'm going to live for Christ. To live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm here, it means I'm going to be laboring hard for Jesus. Or as he puts it elsewhere in, in uh, the Corinthian letters, when he says, look, as long as I'm here on earth, I'm going to make it my aim to please Christ. And so whether that's when the promotion comes through, my aim is what? To please Christ. Mm-hmm. Or that's when man, I get the news that my wife has cancer. 
It's what's my, my call in life. My aim is to please Christ. Mm -hmm. That does not change no matter our circumstances. And that is a huge part of what enables us to remain sober minded as we navigate the ups and downs of this life. Yeah, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, verse 14 says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the craftiness and deceitfulness and deceitful schemes. And so that thought there is like when we're rooted in God's word, that uh, whatever comes to bear in your life, um, you're prepared for because you can trust and you can have joy that God is in control of it. It's not you did something wrong or um, you know, you, yeah, you messed up in life, whatever it is. It's like, no, God is ordained. This is part of your life and the path of your life. And he's sovereign over it. And he wants you to bring full glory to him um, through whatever trial. And it may not be directly for you. Yeah. You'll get shaped and molded, but he may be using your trial and your situation, uh, as a witness to someone that's around you. And so the, the fact that you're well balanced about trials and tribulation, it, it, it is completely contradictory to the rest of the world, which will panic, which will, um, you know, complain, and they don't want any bad things to happen. So when bad things come for us as Christians, for us just to be able to say, hey, I trust God. Um, I know God loves you. I know he has a plan for this. Uh, I may not know exactly what it is, um, but I know he's working it out for the good. That will grab someone's attention faster than anything else. And so understanding the, the power of our witness, even in how we are well balanced with, you know, trials and tribulations. And even again, those things that come that are of great joy, you get a promotion, praise God. Um, I'm going to pray and, and thank him for, because this is a gift from him, um, that I understand, uh, that he is using this to bring himself glory. Right. There, there's another kind of, of, a lack of being sober minded that we find a lot of times. And a lot of times we find it even in the church, um, and given our current political landscape and, and culture, it rears its head often, right? And that is the, the lack of sobriety when you hear an issue, when you've got your hot button issue, and when somebody brings it up, man, you just go off. Mm. And you get on your soapbox, and you've, you've got your tirade, and you've given it a million times before, and here comes a million and one. You're going to listen to me about my opinion on vaccines. You're going to hear me out on my opinion of the president. You're going to hear me out on my opinion of our governor. You're going to hear me out on my opinion of fill in the blank. And when we have those trigger things that go off that just cause us to lose our minds about something, that cause us to get angry, that cause us to have a vitriol about us, that cause us to have a tone that people go, dude, what happened? Why is he so angry about this? That is not being sober-minded. Um, because even when we get, when, when we're up against something that we're, we look at and we go, okay, I don't agree with this. We need to be able to disagree in a way that is honoring to the Lord. We need to be able to disagree in a way that people are going to hear us out. We need to be able to disagree in a way that is thoughtful and not just emotional. Um, take, for instance, what's going on right now in the world, and we've touched on it briefly a couple times, Kellen, with CRT, critical mm -hmm. race theory. Yeah. And just the the just landmine that seems to be when, right. when you're out in public, if you bring it up, you're going to have some people that are like, it's great and it's true and we need to get it in the church. And you're going to have other people that say it's a threat to the gospel. And we need to get it out of the church. Yeah. Um, we just had our, our senior pastor here, Mike Fabares, do a, a men's breakfast on it. Kellen, talk to us about that. Yeah, it was a great teaching that uh, just allowed everybody that was there to get a foundational understanding of what critical race theory is and how it's making an attempt to come into the church and how it can be problematic for the church. And so I don't want to do it any injustice by um, trying to, to re 
explain what was already explained from Pastor Mike. But yeah, I would highly encourage you to go to our YouTube page, Compass Bible Church, and find that uh, critical race theory teaching that is on there, and uh, you will be edified from it. And it's just uh, well presented, and it's good for you to understand, because really, uh, without getting too deep into it, what the main issue here is, it's a distraction away from what we need to focus on the most, and that is the gospel. Uh, We as Christians need to spend our time. Every day we wake up, we have a commission that has been given from Christ to us to go and make disciples. And the way that we make disciples is sharing the gospel, is allowing people to have an understanding of who Christ is and why he came and, and, and lived the perfect life and died on the cross for us and was resurrected from the grave so that we may have eternal life. And that's the message that we need to get to people. And through that, um, that takes care of all the other social issues that are there. And so it's really just a distraction, um, um, the, the CRT thing is. And um, it may have some things that you might say, okay, that, that might be good to do, but it should not distract our primary focus from being in uh, for the gospel and sharing that to you know every soul that is walking the face of this earth that is going to be confronted with judgment day um, at the end of their life and if they don't have the gospel they uh, will end up in hell and we don't want that and so we want to focus on the gospel first and foremost right we need to be like uh, all the 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 best athletes out there game day there's a point at which the the switch flips for them where you know, prior to that, okay, yeah, they're going to be goofing off. They're going to be making cracking jokes. They're going to be, you know, talking with people on the phone, everything else like that. But as the the game time approaches, there's that switch that flips where they become laser focused on the task at hand, and they're not going to be distracted by that, and they're not going to be worried about what's going on back at home. They're not going to be worried about what the stock market's doing at that time. They're not going to be worried about, you know, what they're going to have for dinner after the game. They're going to be saying, no, I've got a task at hand, and I need to be sober minded in being laser focused on what I've got to do. I think about a pitcher that goes out and, you know, a guy that's going to, that goes out and throws a no hitter as he's pitching, he's going to throw some balls as he's pitching, but he's going to be, he's not going to allow that to totally throw him off of his game plan. He's going to say, okay, I threw a couple bad pitches here. I need to get back on track. And he's going to start to discipline himself and, and stay focused on the task at hand. Yeah, it's that Colossians 3 2 is to set our minds on things above, right? We need to be focused on Christ um, in everything that we do. Well, when we think about some practical things that we can do moving forward, um, just some practical helps to say, okay, uh, I need to focus more on the promises of God. We've talked about that. We've talked about, you know, the Word of God. Um, but just some practical things about here's some things that you can do uh, as you start to feel that uh, that angst build up in you or you start to feel um, here's that thing that's that topic that usually triggers you. What what can you do in response? And I think one of the first things that we can do is found in Philippians chapter four uh, when Paul says, look, if you're feeling anxious, he says, be anxious for, and then here it is, nothing. And it, it meant the same thing then as it means now, which is not anything, um, no, no thing. <laughs> be anxious for no thing, nothing at all. There's no exception clause. There's not except for inflation, except for the immigration crisis at the border, except for CRT, except for um, your marriage, except for your kids, except there's no exception clause. It's be anxious for nothing. And then he says, but in everything, um, bring your request to the Lord, pray. And so that's a huge thing, man, that is key to being a sober-minded man of God is to cultivate a consistent prayer life to make sure that you are going to the Lord time and time again, because you're going to encounter things in this life that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. You're going to encounter things in this life that 
like Kellen on the paddleboard. It's going to throw you to the right and you're going to have to lean left and you're not going to exactly know how to navigate everything going on. And you're going to need to bring these things to the Lord and say, Lord, I need to trust you right now and help me trust you, increase my faith in you right now. Here's what I'm anxious about. And you know what the, the Bible says there, the, the response is that God is going to respond to you with a peace, he says, that surpasses understanding. Which means, man, if you're looking at a circumstance and saying, I don't know how I can remain sober-minded in the face of this, Paul's telling you, I got a Philippians 4, 6, and 7 for you, which says, if you will pray and come to the Lord in faith and trust him, that he is able to give you a peace that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. So one of the first things is in increasing your prayer life. But the second motivation there, Kellen, talk about for the guys listening who are dads and husbands, how can that role be a motivation uh, area for, for them in striving to be sober-minded men? Yeah, knowing that our kids are watching our every move. And so they see as much as we try to disguise it and hide it uh, when there's tempers that flare in the house or you come home frustrated from work or whatever it might be, they understand that they see that. And like many of us, we, we start to develop those habits uh, without even knowing because that's what we saw in our house growing up. And so it's important as a godly man to understand that you, you got people that you're responsible for uh, within your own household and even around you. Um, could be at work and even at church as well, people that are looking to you that want to see how you respond to things. And without you even saying a word to them, without you uh, discipling them, um, and having conversations about it, they're going to watch your actions. And actions really tell us where your faith lies, right? It, that, it's easy for us to say, you know, I, I know God's sovereign um, and I trust him, but, you know, what happens when sickness arrives or what happens when uh, you don't get that job that you thought you deserved or what happens when, you know, a, a pastor does something within the church that you don't agree with? It's like, do you fly off the handle or do you say, I know God's sovereign and I trust him. Do you continue to have that? And so our actions are the things that really are going to determine you know, where our faith truly lies. And so being that godly template so that our kids, our uh, people that are within our family, our people that, uh, that you're discipling or that look up to you from a spiritual standpoint, we want to make sure that they see a good, solid, well-balanced uh, man that trusts God and truly trust him by his actions. So we want to do that. And I know there's always that thought of, well, you know, you don't quite understand this situation. That shouldn't be. If you have, if, if you're saying, you know, someone doesn't understand, then that becomes a pride thing. And you've created an issue that you feel like is bigger than God, because God tells us, do not be anxious at, like you said, about anything. And so there's a reason that he says that. And that's um, because we can come to him and know that he's the one that's in control of it. And um, he is, he's given that to us for a specific reason. And again, it's to shape and mold us. And this life is not meant to be easy, but uh, we are called to trust God and to show that through being well balanced, knowing that he's in control of all things. Right. And if I can bring things full circle, last week, one of the Cowboys D linemen Demarcus Lawrence broke his foot in practice. There's another Cowboys player, one Micah Parsons, yeah. drafted as a linebacker, the best defensive player in the draft, one might argue. The best defensive end in the draft, for sure. Well, now, <laughs> now he for is. sure. <laughs> because going into the game on Sunday against the Chargers, the head coach of the, the Cowboys said, hey, you're going to play defensive end because we need you there, right? Yeah. Not what he was planning. No. Not what was on his, his mind. Not what his main position is. Hadn't trained for that at all. Right. <laughs> As he said the last time he played defensive end was high school. Right. Now he's playing in the NFL on Sunday it's against a little different. The, the Chargers, right? 
And so, but he, he had an opportunity. Do I panic? Do I freak out? Do I lose my mind? What do I do? And by all the accounts, the, the results show that he was a, a man who stayed sober-minded, kept his mind on the task at hand, and went out and performed to the best of his ability and uh, actually outperformed Joey Bosa Yeah, in that game, which is pretty impressive. Right. And you look at that situation. It's like he didn't have that plan, but now you he just opened up you know, a part of his game that is going to be utilized, right? And it, it might allow him to be that much better of an NFL player because he's this dominant at this position that maybe wasn't what he signed up for, right? right? But God shows us that a lot in our life. Is we feel like, you know, this isn't for us, but, you know, he knows us way better than we do. Right, for sure. Well, hey, man, we will, uh, as always, be praying for you. We're going to start right now after we conclude this podcast that you will continue to apply these things to your life as you strive this week to be quality men of God. 